you don't want me under the hood, Clemens. It's not, that's not where I do my best work. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I understand it, but I don't want to fix it. <laughs> Welcome to Catalyst, the Launch by NTT Data podcast. Catalyst is an ongoing discussion for digital leaders dissatisfied with the status quo and yet optimistic about what's possible through smart technology and great people. Make sure you are subscribing. Leave us those great five-star reviews out on Apple and wherever you got ears. We hope you're enjoying these awesome conversations. Speaking of awesome conversations, today in studio, I am fired up to welcome back Clemens Conrad, our practice lead for the future of mobility at Launch by NTT Data. You might recognize that name. He was featured on episode 406, which was titled The Evolution of EVs, Exploring the Past, Present, and Future of Electric Vehicles. That was an awesome conversation. I would welcome you to go back and check that one out. However, today we're bringing it back on here. Yes, we'll talk about vehicles. Yes, we'll talk about mobility. And with that, Clemens has been traveling the globe. Clemens has been out west. Clemens has been far, far east. He's been he's been globe trotting. Uh, and we're going to talk about all those things today and and his his adventures and when he's bringing uh, to the audience. Clemens, how you doing, man? Uh, well rested, finally first weekend, full of sleep, but yes, uh, excited, and uh, Clinton and team, thanks so much for having me again on the show, it was an amazing first time, so let's see where we're ending up with this one, how many topics we can cover, so yeah, excited. Yes, yeah, we do have a, a smattering of fun topics, <laughs> and when I say you went out west, and I say you went out far east, well, I mean it, right, so in earlier January, you, you were out at CES, which yeah. of course is really the, at least the North America's biggest technology showcase event that takes place in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And as soon as Vegas was done, I think you were home for like, I don't know, 10 hours yes. or something like that. <laughs> you were on a plane and you were out to Tokyo to go to yep. Tokyo Auto World, yep. which is a different, a whole different bowl of wax, different focus, and also really a different culture in how they yep. present what is cutting edge and newer technologies. And with that one, a bit more specificity, mm -hmm. hence the name Auto World. So we wanted to canvas that today, get your impressions of CES, what it felt like to be at Tokyo Auto World, mm -hmm. how they're similar, how they're different, and then also trends and things you, you just you witnessed with your eyes that we really caught your attention and you wanted to bring to the audience today. So, so yeah, man. So I guess CES was first. So should we start at the beginning? <laughs> yes, you summarized the package quite well. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> Let's see. Before we go into the auto show, like the, that's the auto parts of CES. Um, the sphere was the first thing that actually like stood out to me, like flying in and then the smiley looking at the plane and blinking at me. That was kind of like creepy, weird experience, but uh, it's it's <laughs> such an immersive, fun experience. And then the hotel was right next to the sphere. So I was able to watch all the amazing animations. So the content team over there is doing a fantastic job just hyping everybody up for what's going on in Vegas. So awesome, awesome job. Yeah, love the sphere, love what it represents. It's certainly cool. It's got the, not got the cool yep. factor. Definitely worried that if I'm next to that giant glowing, you know, uh, man-made sun in some ways, <laughs> that I would have good enough blinds or shades inside my hotel room that I'm not up all night. So did they take care of you that way? Were the blackout shades doing their job? Yes. So I think uh, blackout shades, yes. But also uh, I think every citizen over there gets like uh, sleep masks for the night. 
I don't know, but mm. my hotel was good. <laughs> so <laughs> gotcha, my, gotcha. my hotel was all taken care of, um, blinds, great. But you see the sphere from everywhere. So everywhere in, in Vegas, you see that light bulb. So it's actually a good uh, sightseeing tour, not just sightseeing, but landmark to get an orientation where things are. So it's, a, it's an interesting concept how that light marquee basically is, is guiding you throughout the city so it's it's a great experience highly recommend yeah. seeing it from the outside but also going inside yeah i'm interested to, to continue seeing how it's used and you know i knew it was being built and i i don't even know why I just i didn't read up on it when it was being built that it was actually going to be you know a, a place for shows and of mm. course it is now that you look now i'm like oh yeah of course that's a fantastic place for immersive shows yeah. but i just didn't put two and two together while it was being built <laughs> And I'm definitely into going to get get out there to see mm -hmm. a rock show or any or any show really. But I'm, I'm gonna let I guess I'm gonna let the market probably calm down a little bit mm -hmm. first, so it's a uh, a little more attainable. So I'm not blowing up. You know, I'm like, okay, I can do that, or I can get my butt to Europe. I'd probably go to Europe at this point, <laughs> or Tokyo for that matter. Highly recommend it. Yes, or Tokyo, right? Or Tokyo. So, all right. So we got the giant yes. sphere in Vegas. Yes, that's obviously not CES in a nutshell. However, a cool mm -hmm. representation of net new technology and experiences. Okay. And then CES in the middle of Vegas, I have a feeling it's probably quite a lot of shine and bling mm -hmm. and just in your face, uh, basically advertising of what's what they want you to consider, I guess, new and next. Yeah. Oh my God. Like the big topic this year was Gen AI. So, and just like um, to, to pedal back for, for everybody, CES is, is the consumer electronics show. It's everything around consumer electronics. So it's what's near future, but also an inspire what's coming down the market. What could be there in two years, three years, five years, even like flying cars, 10 years. So it's it's really about inspiring and, and get the crowd excited for technology in their life and how technology will improve their life. The great thing is also... The mix that the products will become, or some of them are either way right about to enter the market or are actually already in the market. So it's more like a reminding people that the future has already arrived. But mm. when it comes to like specifically the automotive area, we've seen a lot of a lot of great concept cars again. I think the difference to last year is that the big automotives or like the big three out of Detroit were missing. So it was more like, again, like back to the smaller ones, like the consumer electronic focused ones like LG to showcase, hey, we're good in consumer life products. Let's take a step on what our vision is of the mobility. How can we mm. also support the mobility aspect of our consumers. So they had, from my perspective, was like the two coolest concepts on the floor, which surprisingly, I haven't seen much coverage on the internet with all the CS roundups, is the LG Able. So the writing was interesting, Alpha, B-L-E, Alpha Bill, like Elbow, mm. Able. Yeah. Showcasing like a fully autonomous vehicle, which everybody basically has now. Another belt, but bringing in home consumer electronics like your coffee machine, <laughs> like your gaming engine, or like your game console, uh, or just like your entertainment realm. So a super hyper personalized space to make it yours. And in a great design, kind of like a futuristic Blade Runner, uh, but nice curvatures and everything, make it a, a really a bold statement to how easy it would be to bring all you 
into the vehicle and connecting it back to your home. So the both ways. So you bring your home into the car and your car into the home. And I think that's where the great storytelling lies into uh, CS and, and partnerships. Even like Samsung had a great announcement with Hyundai and Kia about smart things. So that Hyundai and Kia are now adopting the smart platform from Samsung for the smart home. And mm -hmm. now you can monitor everything from your home in those vehicles, vice versa. You can monitor what's going on in your home in your vehicle. So it's a really good combination of platforms. And I think that's the key for the future, like the, having the, the other big term, software-defined vehicle coming alive and showcasing the end consumer needs and how we bring that all together to make it a really seamless and exciting future. Interesting stuff. I love the the piece for that that LG like alphable, right? Is what, that's mm -hmm. kind of how I took it. It might be might be mispronouncing it a bit, but I got mm -hmm. the alpha idea about the, you know, almost like a a self-contained, uh, almost like a mobile home, it sounds like, where you right. could take, I'm not saying take all amenities with you, not like an RV, mm -hmm. however, digital amenities to ride along with you and be, it's almost, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Nintendo Switch, where mm -hmm. you could take it from your, you know, it's plugged into the into the thingy and it's on your, you know, your 75-inch uh, TV and oh, you can take right. it out with you and you can take it on the go. Exactly. But a almost a car version of that with, with the, your digital mm -hmm. life being able to come with you. And then, of course, some might say uh, some perks, no pun intended, but things like, so when you said coffee, do you mean like there's basically like a coffee machine right in there and you could take, yes. take that on the go? Is that, <laughs> that's interesting, right? So that becomes really more of like a lifestyle pod that right. happens to move you without you having to drive. Exactly. So, and the, but also to a point of RV, you know, LG had another great showcase here with the, LG van, I forgot the name. Um, we'll link it in, into the comment section. So the RV part was also like a combination of all their products from smart kitchen, shower, shoe scenting, or like a sanitizing, to sleep quality, all packed in a really cohesive, great package to enable basically glamping, high-tech glamping, but connected mm -hmm. to your EV. So that fires back energy to your EV, vice versa, the bi-directional charging. That is uh, becoming a, a really big important component in the, in the new future, or like in some areas already here. But just like making the masses aware, the future is not that far away. We're here and we're here to serve you. And, and it's just like a great case study for companies that want to be embedded in the consumer lifestyle. But also like to your point, like bridging the gap into the mobility, what it in general stands for, like, almost like making that switch to the industrial area. And I think that's where um, the differences also to the Tokyo Auto World where it was more about the technology that is available now and how to implement it into your product now versus CS near future. Right. So a little more hype, hype and futuristic shine to CES and Tokyo mm -hmm. being a bit more like, hey, the rubber's meeting the road right here, right now with right. some of these things. And it, you might have to play a little bit of catch up, but these things are functionally happening right now. Mm -hmm. Before we jump over to Tokyo, one other area for me too that's interesting is, you know, like this, there's a big push, especially in, and I think in Europe, this has existed for a long time because of the size of Europe, but there's a big push throughout America for all these, um, call them like mid-range flights, 
you know, so if you had to go from like Boston to DC, right? Mm -hmm. Things where right now other forms of mass transit in America are not great. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're not as good as they, they could be. They're not as fast as they could be. The amenities are not as good as they could be. They're not as seamless and, and, and as easy as you think they would be in 2024 for these mid-range flights. Mm -hmm. And I could see an area where these things that are these, uh, you know, more self-contained, again, like lifestyle uh, pods mm -hmm. that happen to move, and I'm sure they have great Wi-Fi while you're taking your trek. I yes. do wonder what the airlines are thinking about those because right now, yes, Ooh. you sure, you can still get there faster, right? You can still mm -hmm. go from Boston to DC quicker than you can in an autonomous vehicle. However, if you had nothing to consider, meaning mm -hmm. you had no other work considerations besides, hey, I want to hop in my car Monday morning and I'm totally cool if I get there whatever time I get there, because my whole Monday will be, will be me doing whatever I want anyway. I could mm -hmm. work, I could take my breaks, I could talk to my family versus I've got to do the normal things at an airport, which mm -hmm. can be very disruptive to whatever work schedule, family right. schedule, things of that nature, being offline, et cetera, et cetera. I do wonder if some of the airlines are, I'm sure they're looking at it and I wonder yes. if they're concerned about the potential disruption to what are these uh, these shorter flights that are that are nice. kind of, getting a lot of attention in the airline world. That's actually a very interesting point. So I give you one quick example of Xpeng. They were at CS2 with their flying concept car. Looks actually very interesting. Uh, almost like a Lamborghini meeting a, a, a helicopter. So it's super transformable, Japanese style inspired transformer. Gundam. <laughs> so yep. you can you could take off with, with that one. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember when it comes to market. Maybe like 26, 27 per usual HCS presented concepts. But uh, the airlines are looking into other forms of transportation to combat that, to your point, like the mobility, smart mobility, the autonomous portion of it by introducing also EV planes. So we have, you mm -hmm. mentioned Europe, out of Munich, good old hometown Germany is Lilium, which has a short-term EV vertical takeoff and landing concept vehicle or like concept plane which is going through a certification right now so you could take off at any smaller airport with six people flying 150 200 miles landing there and it's all by electrified powertrain or like electricity mm. and they're building out the the hub here in florida but then also you gotta think a little bit how and who partners with whom. So, for example, Stellantis is partnering with Archer, a US-based vertical takeoff and landing producer, to produce those vehicles as well, like those mm. EVOTOLs. So it's it's a really interesting way how aviation meets mobility to co-invent or to co-produce those vehicles of the future. Yeah, and what what comes in the first round of those, right? Because mm -hmm. it's almost like it, it's it's. I remember when kind of studying India and their infrastructure, there was you know lots of folks saying, well, like India kind of skipped, you know, they were able to skip a generation and really just get everybody on cells and just bring in Wi-Fi and like do that, and still a challenge because there's you know a billion point three people and it's a yep. large, large, large piece of land and they got lots of mountains and lots of lots of topography. With that though. 
they were able to kind of like leap ahead 20 or 30 years because they didn't have to go through old infrastructure. It's like, nope, we mm-hmm. just put the new stuff in. <laughs> so it'll be interesting, like what this mashup of these, these personal flight vehicles that are really, they want the comfort of the modern car Mm-hmm. and the ability to not sit in traffic right, is what it boils down to, right? So it, that'll be a very interesting mashup to see what comes along first. And mm-hmm. is it more like an Uber Black experience that, hey, it just works? Mm-hmm. You know, it just gets up and gets down and, and is legal and it's passed all the regulations? Or will it be uh, more bells and whistles mm-hmm. because there's, there's multiple players that are chasing this? Uh, you know, I saw a Honda commercial the other day and they end the commercial with saying like, hey, we're working on an EV that flies, right? right? So, and that's how they end one of their major commercials talking about their progress and their, their mm. kind of their lineage of innovation. So it seems like there's lots of different people chasing that, which would be, which I think is ultimately mm. means a lot of good competition, which means we'll get lots of, uh, lots of yeah. cool variety once it does get approved and hits the market. Yeah, I think speaking of competition, I think that was a big theme in both shows there was a huge amount of Asian visitors to ITS, just like exploring how the mobility space shapes up here in the US. What's the need of the customer? And they're really interested in the CX. What is the use case for US-based customer? Is it on the geopoint personal journey or is it also on the industrial journey? Where can we plug in? Where can we support? Where can we team up? So we have a big discussion on site at CS where we were more like a visitor versus in Tokyo, like an exhibitor. Yeah, we, we have all those great tunnels at CS by Tesla, for example. So it's, it's great to have that quick transportation from convention hall to convention hall via various Tesla models. You can test it out. They're not autonomous. They always have to be a driver in there. But in those short rides, we had great conversation to see if uh, even like those tunnels is a viable option for the cities or is it more like let's make sure the car itself can drive autonomously in specific regions uh, like like mining like like more industrial use cases or in cities at night when it's more safer to drive or to test out those autonomous vehicles or at what point do you think cities can allow yeah, autonomous vehicles driving 24-7, like an Uber ride, like fully autonomously. So it's great to see those different timelines clashing with product development and certification and, and, and setbacks. So the future is definitely exciting, but also complicated bringing all those individual pieces together. Yeah. And of course, it gets elements of it get green lit, if you will, and it doesn't always mm. come together fully as one uh, harmonic as as I think Elon's actually hoping for right with with the EV and the self-driving and then owning right. the owning the boring company to, to actually mm-hmm. build the infrastructure on top of that which is fascinating and it's another another really interesting part of the play that, that he's, he's attempting to put on right so yeah. really really cool and then in Tokyo so mm-hmm. you know the Tokyo show is about half the attendees whereas CES was about 135 to 140,000. Mm-hmm. Tokyo is just under 80,000, way more exhibitors out in CES, way more mm-hmm. sessions out in CES. However, Tokyo Auto World, when we talked earlier, had a bit of a different focus and, and, and not just the, hey, it's a bit more about the now, but mm-hmm. also the, the way in which they present information at Tokyo Auto World was wildly different than CES. And I think that's a pretty fascinating thing for folks to understand who have never had a chance to travel. 
Right. Great, great point. So in, in CS, everything was like big, 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 like video shows, video monitors, animations, 3D content, super immersive and also ready for a global market. So basically non-English speaking folks could understand what's going on by watching the videos, watching mm -hmm. uh, XR experiences, VR, AR, but being hands-on with um, prototypes. And in Japan, it's more fact-based because it's a product that is ready to be implemented. So it's way more text-heavy. And the leverage of images, videos is very limited. So it's more like, here are our, our capabilities, here's our service. That's how you plug it in. So it's more deep in knowledge and, and, and deep in, in tech versus inspiration. So if you, if you, if you want to inspire, use all the great tech from CS, making it aware uh, where the vision is, is, is getting you, leverage usage of QR codes. That, I think, is, is, a, is a missing point in Tokyo because um, they expected you to speak Japanese or being aware of Japanese. Uh, but only 23% of on-site folks actually speak English. So it's, it's a lot of language barriers and, ha and having like additional information like QR codes, having websites that lead to that product on the website in English would be great. Or having Gen AI on your phone so that you can point on that product and having a walkthrough in English. That would be, would have been fantastic. And I think the, the interesting part there is also, you know, yes, we know CES is flashy by design and, uh, mm -hmm. and building hype, and it's certainly a marketing vehicle for these things. And it's in Vegas, which is America's flashiest city for, for all the reasons it's Vegas. So we get all that. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, though, is out in Vegas, you're going to have, you're going to have predominantly English speaking people there. Yes, of course, mm -hmm. of course, it's international and you're going to have some that don't speak English, but for the most part, you have English speakers, and yet they're really leaning into video and like almost like showmanship, right? Of yeah. like demos and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Get your hands on it. Whereas over in Tokyo, it's very much uh, Japanese driven from from a language perspective, mm -hmm. and everything is almost like a little bit older school in the sense of I had a, I have a buddy who's a doctor, and he trains up a graduates at Yale that are becoming doctors and they have to do their final thesis. And he was posting it on uh, Facebook the other day. And these are like 27 year old, 26 year olds who are becoming doctors and he's showing their like final thesis. And guess what? They're on cardboard, like trifold cardboard mm -hmm. with old school printouts. And they're talking in front of cardboard <laughs> and it's yep. 2024, but this is for like high, high level, you know, becoming specialized, specialized mm -hmm. doctors. And with that, when I say old school, that's what I did back in high school, right? You get your trifold thing and you talk in front of it and away you go. And then you're out, you're out, you're out in Japan and you still kind of get that experience first, but yet there's a huge language barrier. So what the heck is that like when you're like in it at the booth? It's language barrier and culture. I won't say cultural barrier, but like being aware that it's just like two different cultures, right? When you go to Europe, it's different. When you go to America, it's different. When you go to Japan, Asia, it's, it's different. So I think where we can learn from each other is like like having those team members embedded in each location. So really grateful for being on site with the European team members, with the Japanese team members to represent on site NTT. We have booth of 
around about 14 experiences. So 14 products and services that we exhibited. We also had two SMEs, subject matter experts per booth. So we had 30 folks on the floor to ensure people understand what NTT is offering to the market, how we can help them in their product journey. So to ensure the customer quality is there, that we have a quality explanation that we have a quality embeddedment with our customer and potential customers to showcase how deep we can go in that automotive scene as NTT Japan, but also our global reach because we, we serve global customers, right? So we want to make sure we, we understand them, wherever they come from, visually or from a language perspective, we can pull them in, we can advise, we can consult and then also deliver on those insights. Mm. And I think one thing for folks that are not as familiar with NTT globally is that over in Japan, like let's put it this way, what's the vibe and feeling about NTT over in Japan versus say back in the States, just in general? You mean like uh, that every single manhole is uh, NTT labeled, branded? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's a good example of it coming through, right? It's like over in Japan, NTT is a very, very established, yes. very well-known company. Mm -hmm. It's obviously gaining uh, authority in the States mm -hmm. with NTT data and, and other, other parts of the company. But I guess over there, you don't have to shout from the rooftop who NTT is. Right. It's just simply part of the, the fabric of the country. Is that, is that a fair way to put it? Oh, very fair. I mean, we're, we're in the market for decades over there and uh, also showing how a legacy industry can move and innovate themselves, reinventing themselves and, and being really uh, delivered of the future. So coming from a telecommunication background, just like knowing how infrastructure works, how you put things in place so that you can communicate A to B, that's a no-brainer for us, or that's a no-brainer for the Japanese colleagues. And now it's like, what kind of services can we ensure we have to have in our portfolio to reach the, the future customer base? How can we expand globally to make sure we, in the future, provide the infrastructure here as well? And, and I think we shared that also in the last podcast, 48% of international internet traffic goes through entity infrastructure. So we provide all the services for the data warehouses, et cetera. So it's an established company it's a it's a huge organization that everybody knows i just needed to say in the cap get me to the entity building xyz and then, okay got it so it's an establishment it's it's great to see how big of an impact entity has into the culture how it supports the people it challenges them on really interesting projects so it's seen as a really high quality great employer yeah, it's certainly got to be very cool to experience that on the ground there. So so mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear some of those examples of how it came through for you while you were taking in uh, Tokyo, which is super cool. I do want to go back to something you said about, about CES and kind of juxtapose it a little bit with uh, Tokyo Auto World. You said at CES, hey, everybody and their uncles talking about generative AI mm -hmm. and just AI infusion into concepts. And I do wonder, what was the the AI infusion or like how how prevalent was AI out at Tokyo Auto World when you're comparing it back and looking back at CES? Mm -hmm. So generative AI, Gen AI was definitely the keyword at CES. I mean, it was on the billboards for everything. So every single company tried to 
have a talking point and point of view of Gen AI and how it enhances their products. When it comes to the automotive space, I think it was interesting to see from companies like Rightware, which provides HMI development software, that they're using Gen AI to generate concept boards or mood boards, how a digital cluster, instrument cluster could look like. So you're drawing shapes and you hit generate and then boom, there's your fully previewed concept, how it could look like using specific color palettes and models, etc. So it's a... Uh, well, that was great to see, but then also in other areas, uh, Qualcomm presented their, their case study where you have your digital assistant just talking about your location, but also you can feed basically the insights saying, hey, uh, birthday's coming up, I don't have a present yet, can you generate some ideas, leveraging ChatGPT in the background and putting their own element on top of it. And then uh, they generate a visual saying, hey, Mr. XYZ, here's your birthday card with some ideas. Do you like it? Do you want to change it? Sent from the vehicle while you're driving. <laughs> so just like leveraging Gen AI from a both image creation, but also from a text input or voice conversation, enhancing the in-vehicle experience to have a differentiator and, and, and making sure it's hyper-personalized to drive that engagement. And I think a lot of folks are excited, but also tired of the term Gen AI because it's it's almost like trying to put it on top of an already good product or just like putting it out there to get the attention. Kind of felt like a little bit of the early internet days where a lot of AI services and products are being featured and hyped up. And then over time, we will see how valuable those AI services are actually for the end user. Is it just a gimmick or is it an actual feature that the crowd is willing to pay money for it? And yeah. I think one concept that wasn't really covered in the CES roundup enough is the focus on robotics and AI. So when, when I looked into the Hyundai booth, there were a lot of great use cases for gen AI or like, like autonomous driven parts for industrial uses, but also the spot from Boston Dynamics. Mm. That reminded me, Hyundai and Kia bought Boston Dynamics 2021 to build robots that will build the machine. Like Tesla is saying, we are building the robots that built the robots. Or like we are building the machines that built the machine. Tesla is uh, refocusing or relabeling them as an AI and robotics company, not an automotive company, never been, maybe like a sustainable company or sustainability company, mm. but now robotics and AI to help with the valuation. And uh, we have another entrance coming into the market with Figure and BMW collaboration, where it's all about ro robotics and AI. So I think that's where the sweet spot for the industry is understanding where robotics and gen AI can help on products, concept evaluation, business case evaluation, use case evaluation, where it can help both on the design and then on the engineering side. What tools and services can we actually implement in our organization? And it hasn't been covered, I think, enough in CS, more so on, on Tokyo, because again, it's like, 
here's a product. We want to put that into the market. Yes, we have an API. We are open for XYZ implementation. So here's a case study how we could pull that off for you in the future. Yeah, a couple of interesting things there for me, starting with the, I guess, the usefulness or maybe the quotations of (laughs) usefulness of some of the Gen AI concepts that might just very well be vaporware Mm -hmm. versus like AI within the vehicle technology itself to run the best possible predictive analytics it possibly can run. Mm -hmm. So you get, you know, whatever it is that you're going to get, you get the efficiencies from computer vision and machine learning that have AI components because they they could self-learn and keep getting better and better and then share those things in a network effect Mm -hmm. versus I think some of the, some of the experiences you were describing were maybe like superficial things that Maybe there's some sprinkles on top of Sundays, mm-hmm. but then again, a lot of people don't like sprinkles. You know, it's like, I didn't even need that. Right. It's almost like to me, the platform could be keep improving the platform through AI. And that's why I love the rotation you made mm-hmm. towards, hey, robotics, autonomous robotics is a whole nother platform. Right. And by the way, it can be a mobility platform unto itself because mm-hmm. it could also penetrate and do things in the mobility space. Uh, that's quite interesting right. versus superficial things that really mm-hmm. might, you know, sound nice or look good on a TikTok, but are they really going to be used? And mm-hmm. are they going to be used at scale? I don't think so at this point, which I think is, uh, which is, but it's cool. It's cool that you're getting the wide range uh, mm-hmm. and at CES and being able to see things that are real surface level. And then all the way down to like, wait a second, this could be foundationally change the trajectory of a robotics mm-hmm. company when they also think about AI in a sophisticated way and weave that into to their core products. And, right. and those are different things. Those are different worlds. So mm-hmm. I'm very bullish on the latter and not so much on the former. It sounds like you are as well. Mm-hmm. Correct. So yeah. where will you improve efficiency in your in your workforce? Definitely go for it. I mean, we see Tesla's replacing 300,000 lines of code with Gen AI. Other companies feeding their uh, systems the digital manuals for their vehicles. So it's like fully understood by the LLMM. So you can talk to your car more naturally. So that's a great use case. Love so, that. Love yeah, that's that's exactly. that's wonderful. Yeah. I don't want to fumble through that thing. <laughs> I know where it is. I, I don't want to touch it. If I have to touch that thing, yep. I'm in dire straits as it is. I need help anyway, right? Yep. So uh, so yeah, being able to talk to it like like Kit and Knight Rider and it's like, right. okay, this thing, hey, this pressure's down. Would you like me to auto-inflate that? Yes, I would. <laughs> you know, yes, yes, I would. That is yep. a that's a powerful use case, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to talk to it as if it is a, a mechanic assistant or just a platform assistant to help you understand right. and then helpfully even take care of problems before they exist. Like right. flag them and fix them before they're even a thing in mm-hmm. in our world because you don't want me under the hood. Clemens, it's not, that's not where I do my best work. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I understand it, but I don't want to fix it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And we had talked about, uh, speaking of, you know, not having to be under the hood and, and more, uh, I'd say, brave uses of, of autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. You talked about also, um, when you got back from Tokyo with me, some of the really impressive demarcations between consumer use cases over in mm-hmm. Japan and then industrial use cases and seeing some of the most impressive stuff happening on the industrial side mm-hmm. and even in a specific part of the world, which I thought was a really interesting story. Do you care to share that? Do you mean like Australia? 
Uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to give away the awesome uh, conclusion to this story, yeah. yes, the beautiful island continent of Australia. So, so what do they got to do with uh, really bleeding edge autonomous use yeah. cases? I, 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 that blew my mind too. So I had a great conversation with the CEO of Applied EV, Julian, shout out to you. So uh, he was actually behind our booth at NTT with his autonomous four certified platform and I was wondering how do you pull that off? Why do you focus on more the industrial use case? Because uh, level four certified is, is a huge step. And um, why are you not using it for the consumer end where you have your cars just like being more autonomous on the street? But why do you apply that to uh, the industrial use case? And he's like, it's actually a huge market. So when you think about where you're getting your materials for your EV battery or for all the other components that you're building, it's it's in mines. And one of the bigger mines are obviously in, in Asia, but where he's from is in Australia. And those mines are like miles and miles and miles away, thousands of miles. So you got to make sure you have your equipment companies or your equipment products also driving fully autonomous, making sure you can harvest 24-7 and then also having a staff being able to check in remotely in case there's a, there's a shutdown or keeping the staff that is on site at a minimum. So basically enabling all those great vehicles. I mean, there's like huge, huge vehicles uh, to, to drive fully autonomous. And then having remote check or to your point, preventive maintenance, all those insights driven by those AI components, having like an end-to-end hardware software platform that can help automate all those processes. I think that's that's great for humanity because you don't want to work in those conditions. But you also made a great point of human intelligence to use those tools. So what do you invest basically in artificial intelligence? Put that back into your staff too, like upskill them and make them the best workers in that field. So Australia has one of the best places for autonomous yeah, engineering or software engineering. So it's not always about Silicon Valley. Yes, they do have Waymo and or the other great companies, but also here we're seeing a lot of companies are defunding or like reducing investments into their platforms because again, they're focusing more on the consumer side, whereby in the business side, the industrial market is where the money's at. And we see that's the same thing also with deer. Great in agriculture, we see the same. Mm-hmm investments with Hyundai in their mining equipment. So there's a whole new market that I wasn't aware. Uh, So again, thanks for that exposure. How far they are actually already autonomously enabled thanks to great software development. It's a absolutely fascinating part of it. And yes, you know, most people are going to think about the Teslas and and the Rivians and and, and others in the space for uh, just EVs and autonomous vehicles, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, it's still mobility and and yes, it's still a a vehicle of some sort, but it's really in these near field applications back into Mm -hmm. industry where we're seeing some of the most brazen and bold, you know, breakthroughs that are like, okay. And also the combination of robotics with it, right? So it's with some of those deer vehicles and some of those uh, agriculture vehicles, it is a beautiful combination yeah. of like, okay, that is a fully mm-hmm. autonomous robot that happens to be a vehicle, right? That mm-hmm. can roll and can go up and down a field. However, it could do these certain things, whatever they might be. 
with, again, with AI at its core, with computer vision and machine learning at its core to say like, you know, pick certain crops at, at a certain rate. Mm-hmm. And again, freeing up humans to go do the next higher value thing that they mm-hmm. can go do, which is which is really a, really a good advancement. Oh, by the way, while you're feeding a lot more people in that instance, because right. you could pick the crop at the exact opportune moment through mm-hmm. computer vision, and you can make sure to limit waste that way and things of that nature and gain a lot of efficiencies. So yeah, that yeah. industrial side, maybe we'll have you back on for uh, to complete the trio. We could talk about the industrial <laughs> side of uh, of EVs and, and robotics mm-hmm. as they collect and become one because that is that's a really cool space too so all right i got one last question for you sure. all right so clemens next year if you had only one golden ticket one ticket Ooh. would you take your place back at ces would you go back to tokyo auto world if you only had one which one would you choose and i guess why oh my god can i rip the ticket in half <laughs> <laughs> oh, no man. no i'm gonna hold you to it right <laughs> i would say i think uh, tokyo because it's it was culture exposure and capability exposure of things we can do. And I would be excited to bring all those things back to the USA, but also collaborating with the European colleagues that I met or re-met over there. Just like ensuring we have a really strong connection across all the regions, the one entity. And then also into our services, design-led services, bringing those products into the market personalized and optimized as possible and CS we can always uh, read up on the on the news and the uh, TV shows there's, there's so much coverage over there but yeah I think like having that international exposure uh Tokyo yeah no doubt there you go all right that is the answer but well, we want to thank Clemens Conrad once again for joining us in the catalyst studio and sharing not only your expertise in mobility and also your experiences as you went from Vegas to Tokyo, got very little sleep, and then finally caught up, and we were able to understand this. I think it's fascinating because, again, I think very few people will get to CES. If we talk about, like, you know, globally, few percentage will get to CES, and then even less people will make it out their way to Tokyo for, for that particular auto show. So really cool to have you on here to talk about the similarities, talk about the differences, and then really I love the that part of the, the culture coming through in each of the occasions and what that meant for you as somebody participating or spectating at the respective events. So Clemens, thank you so much for joining us on Catalyst, man. And what do you think? Maybe we do a part three on the convergence of robotics and and mobility? Uh, You can see me, but yeah, five thumbs up. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Love it, love it. Always so great talking with you. So yes, come in. All right, perfect. And folks, remember that in the studio, we believe in shipping software over slideware that fast will follow smooth and aiming to create digital experiences that move millions is a very worthy pursuit. Join us next time as the pursuit continues on Catalyst, the launch by NTT Data podcast.